0: Hey, everybody, welcome into this week's sermon from Pastor Mark Lindsay. Text is Acts chapter 3. We'll be talking about God at work in the life of the believer through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Beth. I wonder how many times your sweet mother played that same. Same song. What a blessing. Thank you so much. I know you have your Bibles with you, so I'd encourage you to have them open. As we return to the New Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 3 and verses 1 through 10. Acts 3 and verses 1 through 10. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four gospel writers, then we come to Acts. As we, as Luke records for us the history of the early church, and we're in the third chapter today. I'm grateful, uh, Roger. Thank you for uh, so faithfully speaking last week uh, while I was in. Uh, Sherry and I were in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We had the privilege of witnessing the baptism of our seven-year-old granddaughter, uh, Caroline. And to watch that little girl stand before a congregation and to boldly speak into a microphone and simply say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. But then, the night before... Her nine-year-old brother emerged from a time with their parents and came out and declared, I'm a Christian. And he too had trusted Christ as Savior. And Sherry and I sat there in (laughs) all... Of the magnificent work of God. To see God at work supernaturally removing the penalty of sin and eternal death from those two little ones. And replacing it with eternal life. Yesterday at our men's breakfast, my friend Jim Walterhouse in introducing the 18th psalm, made this statement. He said, Our world is on a suicide mission and our only hope is God. Our only hope in this world is the eternal life which only Jesus Christ can give. And He has chosen the church. You and me to proclaim that hope. But yet we will fail in the task. If it is all in our own strength. And all, all in our own wisdom. For the task can only be completed. As the as the power is supplied by the Holy Spirit. As we read the, about the early church in Acts. We read about the power of the Spirit coming upon them. And we read how they completed the task which God had given to them because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're in the third chapter, but if you just go back in these first three chapters in Acts chapter 1. We see where the Holy Spirit is promised. Then Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit poured out as Roger spoke of last Sunday. And now as we come to Acts chapter 3, we see the Holy Spirit at work. And as Luke comes to the end of the second chapter of Acts... In verse 43, he says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And then he picks up in the third chapter of Acts. And he gives us an example of one of those miracles, one of those amazing things God has done. As we come to the third chapter of Acts, we see... Where God is at work through a people fully committed to Him. So let's read about what God did at work. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Stand with me as we read. Luke writes, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Father, you promised your spirit. Father, You poured out Your Spirit. Father, You through the Holy Spirit of God is at work even now. Thank You. Father, show us how the Spirit of God can work in us. In the name of Jesus we pray, Amen and Amen. Thank You. You can be seated. Essentially, what we just read was a testimony of God at work in the church in Acts. So let me ask you this question. What is our testimony of how God is at work in our church? What is God doing which is causing those outside of us to be amazed? See, unfortunately, like many churches, we are seeing, we're in the midst of a drought of the amazement of God. But that does not mean God is not doing amazing things. All that means is we are not recognizing it. We are not seeing it. See, the simple baptism of a seven-year-old girl last week. Open my eyes to an amazing God at work. And oh, how I long for us to recognize God's work in us. See, the reality is God works in the ordinary times of our lives. You go back to verse 1 and Luke tells us Peter and John were on their way to church. They were on their way to a prayer meeting at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, Notice what Luke does not say. Luke does not say, Peter and John got up that morning and said, well, this is Miracle Monday. Let's go out and do some miracles today. He did not say Peter and John looked forward on their calendar and said, well, I can tell you already, this day is going to be different than every other day. But the from all the evidence we have, is this was simply an ordinary day. A day like every other. This was a day in which they went about their life as usual. They went about their routine. And it wasn't in the temple where they experienced God at work through them. It was as they were just doing what they always did. See, some days the Holy Spirit seems to come upon us like flames, like tongues of fire. And like sometimes it feels as if the Holy Spirit is blowing through us like a mighty rushing wind. And we want to be on that mountaintop. We want to stay there. God, this is where you are. This is where you are at work. But most often, God does His work through the everyday world. In the valleys in which we live. You recall in Matthew chapter 17, Peter and John, these same two, had joined with another one of their friends, another disciple by the name of James. And they are standing on a mountaintop with Jesus. And we're told Jesus is transfigured before them. In other words, His deity was expressed outside of His humanity. And He was transfigured before them. And before Peter and James and John could get hold of what was happening, they noticed that there was Elijah there, the prophet There is Moses the lawgiver there. And Peter approaches Jesus and says, Man, this is good. I like this. Let me build a hut for each of you, for Moses, for Elijah, and for you, because we want to stay here a while. But if you read on in Matthew chapter 17, you see how Jesus took them back down into the valley. Amongst the everyday life of people, amongst everything that is going on in the lives of those around them. And as they got to the valley... They were approached by a grieving father, a father who was stressed to the max because he had a son who was, was demon-possessed. And he came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I went to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And Jesus then heals this young boy. And it was in the midst of that valley. Valley. Where God did His work. It wasn't up on the mountaintop. Where there was Jesus and Moses and Elijah. But it was down in the valley where there was hurting and suffering and pain in the valley of everyday life. A commentator by the name of Hugh Benner Benner speaks of Acts in these first three chapters this way. In in referencing, especially Acts chapter 1. Where the Holy, in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit came upon them in the upper room. And he says, so far as the record goes, not one soul was converted in the upper room. So do you read it? Not one soul was converted in the upper room. He said, we must get out of the upper rooms, out to where the needy are waiting, and give to them our witness to the redeeming love and grace and the power of Jesus Christ. Friends, I am with you. I want to be on that mountaintop. But God, every day, puts me in the valley. Friends, you're going to leave this place in a few moments. And you're going to descend down into the valley of everyday life this week. And, and, and I want to encourage you during your your routine this week, keep your eyes open. Acknowledge the people God puts in your pathway. See, oftentimes, we disregard the interruptions to our routines every day. Well, I've got things to do. I've got people to see. I've, I've got tasks to accomplish. I have my agenda laid out for me. But then, in the midst of the valley of everyday life, God interrupts us, and oftentimes we see that, and, and, and not as opportunities to be able to proclaim the hope, but we see that as just an interruption of what I want and what I want to do. So, so in the valleys. Walk through those interruptions and see them as God divine in your life. Peter and John were on their way to church. <laughs> they, they had a meeting to attend. I don't know if they had a watch on their wrist or if they, or they, had, they had a timepiece or what, how they told time, but they knew when three o'clock was coming. But in the midst of that, God interrupted them. With this lame man sitting right outside of the temple gate. You see, God will do His work in the midst of your everyday life this week if you open your eyes to Him. But there's something else I need you to understand. It's not only that God does His work in the midst of your everyday life, but God works in ordinary people filled by the Holy Spirit. We're told this man had his friends transport him somehow to this gate named Beautiful, a gate that led into the temple proper. And he would they would set him there and there he would beg for money from the people going, who are passerbys going into the worship time in the worship center. Perhaps he thought, Well, certainly God's people would be more generous and, and, and care more about me than anybody else. And he would sit by this gate. Now now you have to understand, this gate was large. Church historian Josephus tells us this gate was 60 feet wide. 60 feet wide. For you Arkansas football fans out there, that's 20 yards. I told you I was going to get it in somehow. There you go. 60 feet wide, but it also stood 75 feet tall. Nearly eight stories tall was this gate. And people would flood through this thing, shoulder to shoulder, to get into the prayer services, to the prayer time. And here off to the side was this crippled man, just hoping somebody would notice him. I imagine the vast majority of the people did not even know he was there. I'm sure the vast majority of the people going into church were not even looking for someone whom they could help. But then came Peter and John. And they were different. Unlike most of the worshipers going on the far side of the gate, they passed right by him. And unlike most of those church people who are headed into the appointed time of prayer and appointed time of worship, who did not pay any attention to Him. Look at Peter and John. They stop. Luke says they looked at Him. But not only that, Luke says they spoke to Him. And then later on, Luke would show us that they literally, actually Touched his body. They stopped, they looked, they spoke, and they touched. In other words, they treated this man with dignity, which is lacking in our world today. Even among church folk. It is amazing to me that how people who claim the name of Christ regard some people as not worth their time. Instead of seeing them as people much loved by God, made in His image, one for whom He died, they look at people and say, they are not worth my attention, they are not worth my time, they are not worth me stopping in the midst of my busy day. Even to let them know of God's great love for them. See now wait a minute. Why would you stop and eat with sinners? They asked Jesus. Why are you not with those of us who are righteous? And why are you with the tax collectors and the prostitutes? And the answer Jesus gave was, those who are sick need a doctor, and I'm here to heal them inside and out. See, Peter and John were both Jews. They're like every other worshiper that day. They had the same background. They had the same knowledge of the Holy Scriptures. They, they prayed and gave their tithes and spent time in prayer like the others. So why was it that Peter and John stopped when all the rest just passed him by? And the answer is simple. They had been to Pentecost. They had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Of God, You see, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you see people differently. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you understand their hurts, you understand their needs. For instance, one thing I've learned in my short life is God is seldom at work in churches who show little or no compassion for people in need. Because it's all about us. It's all about how can I satisfy my desires. The way I want things conducted. The things I want said. The songs I want sung. The schedule I want to keep. It's become all about us. And we wonder why there's a drought of the amazement of God in the church today. Thomas Aquinas was visiting Pope Innocent IV in Rome. And the Pope showed, so Thomas Aquinas, the, the vast value, the vast wealth in, in this vault of the church, of the Roman church. And, and the Pope said, said to Thomas Aquinas, said, no longer can the church say silver and gold have I none. And Thomas Aquinas said, you're exactly right, but no longer can the church say Rise up and walk. See, the reality is, we can have all the money that God could afford us. Three million dollars scattered across every bank in Howard County, plus some. We can have all the money in the world, but still be powerless if people are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter said to this crippled man, he says, I have no money to give you, but what I have... In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And friends, what is glaringly obvious is there in the midst of their absence of money, there was the presence of power. And the man was healed. So I ask you, where is the presence of power today? God does not need money or programs to lift people out of their sin and despair to a new life in Christ. He needs ordinary people like you and me, filled with the Holy Spirit, making ourselves available, saying, Lord, here am I. Use me. Use us. Peter and John, just ordinary guys, but they were filled with the Spirit. They had no money to give, but what they had, they gave. They gave of themselves. They gave of their time. They gave of their love. They gave of the dignity this man needed and so desired. They were willing to serve and willing to love and willing to be used by God to touch people's lives. And God did amazing things. I want you to ponder on one question. If the testimony of the church depended upon you, would people be amazed? If the testimony of the church depended upon you, would people be amazed? I know you're rolling that around. Now let me pound it down. The testimony of the church does depend upon you. The testimony of the church does depend upon me. Just ordinary people who claim the name of Jesus Christ. People who say we love God. And we've joined together as a congregation of people so that God can be made known. Friends, it depends upon you and me if we are filled with the Holy Spirit walking with the Father day by day, moment by moment. See, God was at work in this man's life. And as a result, Peter lifted him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And this man who had been crippled since birth was now standing tall. But not only that... He began to tap one foot. And then he tapped the other foot. And he got the rhythm going. And he started dancing. No, he wasn't Baptist. But he started dancing. And he started jumping and leaping. And walking. And praising God. And the people around saw it. And they were absolutely amazed at God's work in this man's life. Who's your one? Who is the person God has placed in your life who needs to get the rhythm going? Who if he or she were to die at this moment would spend... Eternity apart from God. Who is the one God has given to you who needs to know of God's amazing love and forgiveness? Let me tell you what God did for a little seven-year-old girl. God can do for that one. No one is beyond the reach of the Father. How is your testimony impacting that person's life to know Christ as Savior? Let me tell you what God did for us little seven year old girl, He can do for you. Like that man, all of us are crippled, not physically but spiritually. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the kingdom of God. All of us have sinned. We're crippled spiritually. But yet, God was at work. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ who would give His life, His sinless life on the cross of Calvary as a payment we owe for our sin, which we could not pay, and He died on the cross for our sins. And then He rose again from the grave, conquering death, having victory over sin and victory over death. And He says to you, He says, it is available for you if you will just believe and if you will just trust what God did for little Caroline and for Nathan. God can do for you. As I look at the sea of faces in front of me, I'm looking at people who have already experienced the amazing transformation of God called salvation. And to be honest with you, I'm a little bit tired. I'm a little bit tired of seeing Christians strolling along seemingly oblivious to what God has done in their lives. If God has truly set you free from your sin, if God has truly transformed your life through Christ... Then why is it that we look like we've sucked on 20 pickles before we came to church? This man, he got his rhythm. He began to leap and dance. I'm not saying you need to get up and dance. But what I'm saying is this. There ought to be some joy in us. That other people can see And they'll see there is something different about him. There's something different about her. And that becomes the testimony of the church. And God begins to do amazing things. And people begin to see an amazing God. If the testimony of the church depended upon you, would people be amazed? Father, I'm so grateful. You've given me the opportunity to speak what I believe to be truth and to be your ambassador, to be your spokesperson, to be your witness today. The Father, you have told me And you've told each of us that when we stand in your stead and represent you before others, that you will take the responsibility of how people will respond. Lord, whether it is the one which you have placed in our lives. Father, all you expect of us is to love and to teach and to tell. And you said, I'll take care of the rest. So, Lord God, the time is now. Father, move among us in a mighty way. Father, pour Yourself into us. And Lord, as You give us the opportunity to choose You, Father, may we follow after You. There is truly none like You. There is truly none like You. In the precious and holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand with me for just a few moments? This is your response to the Father. For some of you, that response will be made right where you stand. And you'll say, Lord, I've heard you. and Father, you show me the way and this is what I'll do. Brothers, you, the response needs to be public. Say, I cannot keep secret what you've done in my life. And you've called upon His name. You've experienced salvation. And you need to be a witness to others. We'll be glad to receive you as you seek to know Lord, uh, know Christ as Savior. Are to be able to reveal Him to others. But this is your time. When you walk out that door, how will you walk with the Father?